one more thing is like, uh, speaking of keeping it simple, is like one of my clients, he is like short on time and he keeps stressing and thinking he's got to do all this like Kelly Starrett, like flexibility and like mobility and stuff. And I'm like, stuff's great. Like if it just makes you feel better and if you enjoy doing it, but if you're pinched for time, then I mean, just stick with your, you know, one to two really quick drills for your warm up, and then go with your training because even whenever you're training, doing full range of motion squats, deadlifts, whatnot, you're getting a great mobility effect from that too. So you don't necessarily have to spend 30 to 45 minutes stretching every day, just lift weights and do your training. Well, I, I agree with you hundred percent, especially whenever it comes to like the, the warmups, the mobility work, I know that not necessarily as in vogue as it, as it was before, but the foam rolling and like the, the body tempering and all of that stuff. I, I used to work at a powerlifting gym whenever I was in school. Um, well, I say powerlifting gym. It was mostly powerlifters that worked there, right? So like the staff was mostly powerlifters. Um, but we would have staff training. And first hour, everyone is just like circled in a group on foam rollers, right? I'm like, we, we have, you know, an hour and a half of staff training in the first hour is, is foam rolling and mobility work, right? It's like, this doesn't seem very efficient to me, you know? There has to be a better way of doing it. But um, there was definitely a long period of time, you know, just as I was coming up and kind of getting into the industry. I mean, obviously I was, I was really into training myself, but as I started to become more of a coach and, and take on more clients and just be more of like an observer to everything that was happening, Around that time, that would have been, you know, 2014, 15, 16, 17 in there. There was this huge push towards like these crazy extensive warm up and mobility routines. And I can definitely see how if someone were to walk into a gym around that time, they'd have been like, I don't have the time for this shit. Like, like there's no way I can, you know, go in there, train hard and also dedicate 30 to 45 minutes for a warm up, 30 to 45 minutes for a cool down. Like it's it's not realistic. Um I think luckily now we're getting more back towards like a good middle ground where it's like mm -hmm. okay, it's good to warm up your body but you don't need to spend, you know, 50% of your workout warming up. Um but I think we could actually carry that over too because there are a lot of like training principles I think that people really really overcomplicate and they look at them and they're like I have to be doing this. When in reality, it's like, that's fine if you're doing the other 95% of things that most people that are at that point are doing, but like, do you follow in one? Uh, I do, like not very closely, but yeah, I'm familiar with what they do and who they are. Yeah. So like, I think that they put out really, really great stuff. And I obviously I'm someone who really appreciates the almost overcomplicated stuff. Like I, I like it because you know, that's the, the 1% that you can kind of nerd out on mm -hmm. but whenever people who are just like average fitness enthusiasts are consuming that stuff it can be really intimidating because then you're seeing it and you're like oh i have to be doing this well yeah you're seeing this you know this exercise that has this crazy setup and it requires this super obscure equipment or this super obscure attachment or this very particular machine and you see that and you're like, I'm being told this is the best exercise for my lats. I have to do this. And if I can't do that, that then that means that I, I might as well just not even be training. Like there's no point in doing this, right? People get so like caught up on that stuff. I feel like, and, um, and I, shit, I've even been there before too. Like I, yeah. I myself in those weird little positions, but, um, is there anything that you've 
really notice whether it's like nutrition with your clients or um, like stress, man stress management, recovery. This can even go obviously outside of like the fitness world because people just like to overcomplicate shit. But um, for me, the the big one is just like exercise execution and exercise selection. Like there's just a lot of layers to that, but I feel like people just reach for the most complex immediately. Yeah, man, I'll tell you similar to you, like I've gone down that same rabbit hole as well and yeah. trying to like 100% optimize like all of your movements and getting in these like crazy positions to do like a lat pull down to like bias your lower lat and yeah. things like that. That's even too much for me. Like it makes it way too complicated. It takes way more time, like setting all of those exercises up, especially at most gyms, like the gym I'm currently going to is like a major bodybuilding slash powerlifting gym. So it's much easier there. They've got all the equipment, but for your average person going to like a 24 hour fitness or an LA fitness or just a anytime fitness, one of those local or chain gyms like that takes forever to set up and it just makes you overthink everything. And I've had clients who have struggled with that as well. Cause like I've got clients who follow all of the fitness people, including people like in one and uh, other people with big names and then they come to me and they want to try to do those things too. And I'm like, man, like, you know, you missed two out of your five training days last week and that, and you're worried about how you're doing this exercise to bias your lower lats. I'm like, just, we just need to show up to the workouts, get yeah. your training in and like, just do a lap pull down and like, just do a bent over row. And I guarantee you, you're going to be training those muscles effectively enough for like what your goals are and what you're trying to get out of it. So no, I've definitely noticed that that is a major thing that people and myself in the past have, uh, overcomplicated. Another one being, as we were talking about, like the warmups and everything, like I've been on every end of the spectrum. So whenever I first became a trainer, I actually made posts on social media where I'm like, if you don't have time to do, you know, your 10 minute general warm up, and then like some dynamic mobility and then like some activation drills and then like some specific warmups, then you don't have time to work out. Like you have yeah. to prepare your body. So I was like that big on it. Uh, then I've been on the other end of the spectrum to where like I for like two years straight, like I literally just walked into the gym and I just got underneath the empty barbell and I started doing squats. And to be completely honest, the latter worked way better for me. I feel like whenever I was doing all the uh, dynamic mobility drills and doing all the activation stuff, like I felt worse. Like I felt like, uh, especially like mentally, I guess, or psychologically, I felt like I'm, I was like fragile and I needed to do those things and I can't just go like move my body, you know? So like by going to the other end of that spectrum and just walking in the gym and picking up a barbell and start lifting and like doing that for a couple of years and not experiencing any pain or injuries or anything like that gave me tons of confidence and was like a mental boost. Like, dude, like you are resilient. Like you don't have to do like all that stuff. Now I've come all the way back around and I've kind of settled way more in the middle. So it's like, I'll go in and I'll do one or two warm up drills that take anywhere between three and six minutes. And then I will go to the empty barbell and I will start doing like some specific warm up sets, which to me is the most important thing as well. I'm not sure if you feel the same about that, but like, I think by far the most beneficial thing for, a, uh, for a warm up for your workout is doing the specific movements you're going to do. So like if your first exercise is a back squat, go and do like a set of 10 with the empty bar and then see, kind of see how you feel. If you still feel like you need to dust off some cobwebs, do another set of 10, like going very full range of motion with the empty barbell. And then maybe you bump up to like 50% of the load that you're planning to use that day. Uh, and you do like a set of six to eight and then add a little bit more weight, do a set of four to six and keep going that way to 
get yourself up there. And I just think that is so much more efficient because like you're still getting the same benefits. You're still warming up your muscles. You're still putting your joints through the full range of motion. You're still increasing your core body temperature, but you also get a really good chance to practice the movement and groove like a really good movement pattern and everything. So, uh, I think I was answering your question about what people do that is overcomplicated. No, no. And uh, we were definitely talking about like warming up and stuff like that. That was, yeah. that was the, the initial point that we yeah. were, you know, making there. But I, I definitely agree with you, especially whenever it comes to, like you said, the specific sets, the specific warmups. Um, I'm big on like defining general and specific warmups, right? Like mm -hmm. one should do some kind of general warmup and general warming up is just getting your body temperature elevated, right? You should not walk in off the street and just jump right into your, your working set, which is crazy as that sounds. Terrible idea. As crazy as it sounds, I've had to have those conversations with people. I'm like, Same hey, here. yeah, it's like at a minimum, do something to warm yourself up. Get yourself moving, right? Like if you need to go walk on the treadmill for five minutes, go ahead and do that. If, if you need to go right into specific warmups and that you utilize those specific warmups. So again, you know, like you hop under uh, a squat bar and you do like a set of 10 with the bar. You give it a second, you know, maybe you throw 25 on your side, you do another set of 10, Like that's warming your body up, right? Like maybe you do some, some kind of like hip mobility drills in between those like very, very light warmups just to get your, your blood moving, get, you know, your body and mind on the same page. But I've, I've had to have those conversations with clients where I'm like, yeah, probably not the best idea to, to jump right into, you know, max effort deadlifts as soon as you walk into the gym, right? Like there has to be. There has to be some kind of, of trade-off there where if you don't have any time, then maybe we just talk about, you know, you going on a different training day, or maybe we talk about like shortening your training sessions in some way to where you don't feel so capped, right? Like where, where you are having to compromise in that way, like not going to compromise in that way, right? If we have to trim off some of the, the extra volume at the end of the session with less important movements or, or you know, less impactful movements. We can totally That's the way to go. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I had the conversation last week too. Uh, so yeah. like, yeah, literally just last week. So one of my clients was, ex uh, complaining about like some lower back pain whenever he was doing bench over rows and like, he's a pretty, uh, new to training a beginner. So like his working weight is like 85 or 95 pounds. And I was like, so like, walk me through like your warm up process. Like what, like, what are you doing? Like, did you go to the gym and did you just put 95 pounds on the bar and start doing your bench over rows or yeah. did you do anything to get prepared? And He's like, yeah, just put 95 pounds on the bar and start. I'm like, that's like, no, I'm like, that's why your back was hurting. You know, I mean, I can't say confidently like that is why his back was hurting, but that's most likely it has a lot to do with it. Like you've got to go in and warm up sufficiently before getting to your work and sets. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and just kind of piggybacking off of where that was going was like, I've had clients that will come to me and they're, you know, training six or seven days a week. Mm -hmm. having the conversation of saying, Hey, maybe let's bump this down to like five or maybe even yeah. four sessions per week and just be more efficient in what you're doing. That's like this very scary prospect for them. But I've also had people coming into me. They're saying they're running like, you know, a five or six day split, but they're missing a session every week, or they're missing two sessions every week. And they, they feel like a failure and they feel like, you know, that's it, the worst. It, yeah. They're, they're like, they're like, I just, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And they're getting very demoralized. And I had the conversation with them. And I'm like, why are you like, why do you have a six day split? If you're only making it four days a week? Well, what, what is the point? Like, I, I don't get this. And they're like, well, you know, my coach gave me this training split. And I'm like, did they have this conversation with you? Like, yeah. have you sat down and like really thought about why you need a, a specific arm day 
in your training, whenever you only have four days that you can actually get to the gym or, you know, it, it's again, it, going back to like people overcomplicating stuff, like training is not, it's not that hard to do 75% of training the right way. You know, again, it's, it's about getting in there, training every muscle group at least once a week, right? Like mm -hmm. at least once a week, if you're able to twice a week is fantastic, right? Or main patterns twice a week. That, that's absolutely awesome. You could totally do that with two full body days. And, Easily. And as long as you're choosing the right movements and as long as you're training with enough intensity, you can do a lot. And I always tell people, I'm like, you want the most like complex workouts ever or people look to their, their sessions. They're like, man, that looks too easy. Like, you know, only three sets. Like I'm so used to doing five sets of this. And I'm like, have you ever done a set of you know like bulgarian split squats really hard before you should do true failure yeah i'm like you shouldn't be able to do five sets like i would that would be my entire workout i would die you know so i'll give people like two sets of bulgarian split squats and i'm like okay you know you have to do it on each leg that's really gonna suck right so it's basically kind of like four sets um but they'll they'll be like yeah i feel like i just need i need more volume but then it goes back to a conversation of okay you should be able to make the most basic, the most simple workout in, in split training program, right? In general, you should be able to make those effective by just knowing how to train. And that gets back to a more fundamental principle of like, if you're in the gym and if you're, if you're someone who takes a gym seriously or fitness seriously, you should know what principles you're kind of operating off of. And, and I think, you know, training can be one of those things that can be a little bit complicated because I, I, there are so many variables in training, but I feel like nutrition principles they're, they're pretty simple, right? Nutrition gets complicated because people overcomplicate it. But in general, nutrition principles are, are extremely easy, especially whenever you break it down to just calories. You say, you know, hey, if you eat too much, you're going to gain weight. If you eat less, then you're going to lose weight. Whenever you get into like, all right, let's talk about some like fruits and vegetables. Let's talk about your micronutrients. Let's, you know, make sure that you're healthy. That can add another layer. But even then it's like, most people know how to eat like adults, right? Like, you know, yeah. you're looking at, uh, at a plate that looks like something I should be eating versus maybe I should not be eating that, right? Like, or I shouldn't be eating that amount of whatever that is on that plate. Um, but just in general, for myself, I've been, I've been someone who has been diligent with nutrition for quite a long time to the point where like, I, I can see food and I can have a pretty good intuitive idea as to like how much of that I'm consuming in terms of like calories and macronutrients and things like that. Um, but if I break that down even further, it's because I understand nutrition principles. Absolutely. And because I understand nutrition principles, that means that I don't have to stress about food. I don't worry about my diet because at the end of the day, I understand that if I do the principles right, I don't have to worry about the granular level things. I don't have to worry about counting the numbers. I don't have to worry about weighing things out. I don't have to worry about, you know, supplement X, Y, Z because I'm doing most things right. So my body is going to feel mostly okay. You know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not competing tomorrow. I'm cool right now with mostly okay. You know? And I think that a lot of people should be, should be happy with mostly okay. Especially people that are, that are coming into to you. I know that you work with a lot more like gen pop than I do. I work with a lot more competitors, so maybe I'm, you know, speaking to the wrong demographic here. But even then, um, it's so easy to like get so focused on like specifics. Yeah. 
or like the very complex things because those feel like they should be important. But then if you're focused, if you're so focused on that, and if that's taking up so much of your energy and like your bandwidth that you forget to do the principles, the main things. Exactly. And I, I know that before we came into this conversation, we were like, yeah, there's just a lot of like simple stuff that we could talk about. But honestly, being reminded of the simple shit, I think is something that most people need to be, they need to be hammered in like off death, yeah. right? Because even myself, like I have a tendency to overcomplicate everything in life, not even just fitness and, and nutrition and training and all that. I overcomplicate everything. And I think it's just because I, I want things to be harder than they are. Yeah. But if you really think about most things, it's like, it's not that difficult, right? It's not that difficult. You know how to do most of this stuff. It's more so just about like doing the boring stuff. It's doing, doing the boring shit over and over and over and over again and being consistent with it. That gets you most of the results, but it's the consistency, right? Like the yeah, absolutely. Where people fall off. Yeah. And to your point, I completely agree. It's like very simple. Most people know the types of things they need to eat and they know what a, you know, a healthy plate looks like. I will say it's not always easy or it's not all, yeah, it's not always easy to put into practice just with our food environment and people like to socialize. And unfortunately, like whenever you socialize, that pretty much always involves alcohol. And yep. so that is another huge challenge, but yeah, uh, you could boil it down to like a few pretty basic principles that like you said, once you're doing these things, it makes everything else super easy. So like, even if you can't track your nutrition for a weekend because you were traveling or something like that, then you know that as long as you are prioritizing protein in each meal, trying to have three or four servings of protein or eat protein every single time that you put anything into your mouth, try to have like one or two servings of fruits and or vegetables at each meal, like drink a little bit of water with your meals, like just be mindful and pay attention to hunger and satiety and just like make overall decent choices. You know, like you have to understand those things. Uh, you don't have to get in the weeds uh, with like, stressing about like muscle protein synthesis and things like that for most people, you know, it's like, just eat protein, like hit your target, eat three to four servings of protein each day and you're good. So yeah, the, the basics are where it's at. Yeah. And just to your point to expand off of that, um, I, I think that there are a lot of times where it pays to have more specific knowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do think that specific knowledge, even for people that really know what they're doing or what they're talking about can be almost a handicap. And the, re the reason I say that is because it forces you to overthink stuff and it forces us to overthink things, right? And again, I feel like the more you know, it's great, but there is that like ignorance is bliss aspect whenever it comes to, to training and nutrition and like physiology and, and all of that. Because like sometimes if you're just ignorant of it, if you're just a little bit dumb, it, you don't overthink it and it, it stays easy, it stays simple. You don't have to worry or think too hard about the things that everyone else is worried or thinking too hard about. Um, and a, a good example of this, right, is is alcohol, like what you mentioned, right? If you're, mm -hmm. you're at a social gathering, like I, I've had conversations with people where they're like, you know, I I can't have a drink because of X, Y, Z, mostly related to like, you know, some kind of like nutrition tracking, right? Like I can't have a drink because I'm on a diet. I get it. I'm always going to respect that stuff, right? But at the same time, like, you have something like a martini mm -hmm. that's very different from something like this loaded margarita. And you can typically eyeball things and be like, okay, intuitively it would make sense if I could, if I had like a beer or like a, a martini or something that's a little bit lighter that I'm enjoying. 
that's going to fall in that bucket of I'm still adhering to those principles, right? Like I understand what this is. This is not going to severely and negatively impact my total nutrition strategy. Yeah. But, yeah. So know, instead, instead of having three margaritas, have one yeah. Michelob Ultra. You know, Michelob Ultra is 100 calories. That's so simple to track. You can go and track 25 grams of carbs, 10 grams of fat, or whatever. Much yeah. easier. Like, whereas if you're trying to track a margarita, there's way more room for error. We don't know if that has 300 calories or 700 calories, you yeah. know? So, yeah. yeah. And just defaulting to like the simplest strategies, I think is like almost always the best route to go. Um, and a lot of times too, there, there are options that are simpler than other options. Like what you just said, right? Like if you have a beer, mostly know what that beer is going to contain, right? If you have a margarita, yeah. you have like a, a house margarita. There, there's no way you no have, clue. Yeah. You have absolutely no idea. And same thing. You go out to eat, right? Let's say that you, you go to a Mexican restaurant, they have like a steak burrito. There's a good chance, you know, pretty closely what's in that steak burrito, right? If you get loaded nachos and enchiladas, you're probably going to be really far off from what you're eyeballing there. But I think that's the difference, right? Where as you do this for long enough, you understand that like it, some stuff just isn't worth stressing about. Right. It's not worth stressing about. And as for me, fitness in general has gone from like my number one priority to a priority. It's, it's important, but it's not the priority, which means I have to work it around my priorities now, like my, my main priorities. And because of that, there is a give and take. There's a trade-off that I have to make, right? So I have to say, okay, cool. I do not have time to do things perfect like I would if this was my main priority or do things optimal like I, I maybe would if I had more time. So because of that, what has to give, right? Okay, maybe my sessions are no longer two hours long. Maybe now they're an hour. Maybe instead of training, you know, five days a week, I'm training three days a week. But because I, I had that knowledge, I'm able to, to see those things from the coach's lens. I mean, obviously I do this for a living. I can work around that. I can say, okay, cool, principles. I go to the gym, I train hard enough. I use the right movements. I'm, I'm good. I'm still going to be able to, to maintain at least, but probably still make progress. If I'm, if I'm doing things you know, really well and I'm you know, eating enough protein, I'm maintaining a surplus, those types of things. Um, but I, I still find, especially whenever I talk to a lot of clients, that like, no matter how much you say something, it's still so hard for them to like almost grasp it. They're like, wait, you, you mean that I can make the same progress, even better progress by, by doing less and maybe not shooting for optimal? And I've had those conversations. I would say that is so often the case. And, and that's, that's for me too. Like I, I've had conversations so often where I'm like, if you just stop thinking about trying to do this perfectly, then you're going to get better results because you're overthinking this to the point where you're, you're paralyzing yourself and it's making everything else suffer. So just aim for good enough, aim, aim for good enough. And I promise you, you will surpass what you're currently at by trying to aim for optimal. And yeah. I think that, that sometimes gets really lost because in my opinion, everyone, especially whenever you're putting out content, if you're a coach, you, you want the solution. So the solution for most, most coaches or most people that are offering a solution is I'm telling you something that no one else is telling you, which mm -hmm. typically means I'm adding something on top of those principles, right? This is the secret. This is the secret. It's like layer, 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 layer. So eventually you're hearing things from so many different directions that it feels like you can't even go to the gym without doing 
all of those layers to get a good workout. And I mean, that's probably uh, a deficiency with how we're putting out content, to be honest. But I think that the incentives yeah. are there for content creators, for coaches to continue to do those those things. And like what we were talking about before, maybe even before we got on this call, like I'm someone who a lot of the, the stuff that I talk around that, that I put out, it can be pretty high level. And it's not something I do on purpose. It's just because a lot of times that's what I find interesting. Mm -hmm. My audience might see that and say, oh shit, like he's talking about this intensity technique. That means I need to be doing this intensity technique. It's like, you've been training for six months. You just need to go to the yeah. gym for the next five years and not worry about shit other than just being consistent with that, right? Like go in, train your upper body on one day, train your lower body on the, on the next day, take a couple days off and do that again for the next five years. And try and add a little bit of load, a little bit of reps to bench, squat, deadlift, overhead press, bent over row, all of those things, right? And I promise you, you will make phenomenal progress and you will out, you will outlast, you will get way further than if you were to focus on rest pause sets right now or some intensity technique, you know, like it, it, none of that matters if you can't do the absolute minimum basic principles. And, um, dude, I, we, we can go into like supplements because I really want to talk about supplements um, and how people try to make something that is meant to be, it's literally meant to be supplemental, not yeah. the, the foundation or the basis of a strategy. Um, what are some of the things that you see with like supplements specifically? Man, I would say people all the time still ask me about specific fat burners or something like that. Uh, I'm trying to think what, what, what was it the other day? Well, that wasn't really a supplement. I was thinking about somebody sent me a link to like some protein cheesecake and like asked me what I thought about that. And yeah, my advice was basically like, just eat cheesecake, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you don't have to healthify everything, but uh, that's a different topic. Uh, but yeah, you know, just people getting stuck on like fat burners, trying to figure out all of these tips or these tricks or these secrets that's going to help them burn like five calories more per day. So like, yeah, I mean, there are studies that show green tea can boost your metabolism by as little as five calories per day, but like that makes zero difference in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And, um, there, there are a lot of, I think, conflicting, conflicting viewpoints whenever it comes to supplements. And there is one camp that is very like minimalist in terms of, Hey, you probably don't need to take any supplements. But if you do creatine, protein powder, maybe like a green supplement, if you really, really struggle with that, get like a high quality green supplement, multivitamin, you're probably good. Maybe some fish maybe oil. Maybe fish oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. It's like, it's like, like we're starting to get to like the, the outskirts of like what we'd recommend, like maybe some vitamin D. Um, but then there's the other camp and um, I come across the other camp quite often, quite often where... Mm -hmm. You you have like a full separate PDF for oh, yeah. supplements. Oh like, yeah. I've seen that. And and I see that stuff and I'm like, who has the money to be able yeah. to afford this? So like I view I view what I offer as a coach expensive, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think I think rightly so. Like I think that I've gotten to a point where like I'm able to charge quite a bit of money to work with me, which is weird, but I again I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm worth it, you know? I want to say I'm worth it. But you are, bro. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm fucking worth it. <laughs> I, I I couldn't imagine also having a client come on, work with me, 
paying a lot of money to be able to work with me. And then as soon as they start working with me, I throw a PDF at them and saying, oh, by the way, to work with me, you also have to buy all these supplements. Like, I can't even imagine. Like even I would be out on that. I'd be like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. But uh, one, of, one of my friends, he sent me a picture yesterday. His sister started working with this new trainer and he sent me a, a, the PDF. And like you said, it was literally like two pages of supplements, no exaggeration. And he asked me what I think about that. And I'm just like, man, like she needs to find a new coach. Like that is just insane. Like for yeah. one, nobody, even if that was the most optimal supplement stack ever, there's absolutely no way anybody can adhere to that. Like yeah. you're taking 40 pills per day. Yeah. And it, it's, it's crazy to me too, because like, even if you, you find a research paper or you find some kind of meta-analysis that supports the use of this supplement, right? The effect size and the significance of it is probably going to be moderate at most, right? Yeah. But even with that, that's mostly not considering and taking into account someone who is optimizing for everything else, for all of those effects, right? So if you're adding another supplement on top of your you know, optimized metabolism stack, that green tea extract is no longer the, the five calories that it was without anything else now it's maybe like one calorie because you have yeah. other supplements that are aiming to to you know increase your your metabolic rate and it also <laughs> it just it blows my mind um again you know whenever you you put the pdf for supplements before you put like the the nutrition protocol before you put the training program Insane. in someone's recommendations and a lot of times too and this is this is maybe like a completely separate topic but a lot of times it is for clients that are natural and recreational, right? Like they're not competitors and they're not on tons of PEDs. That's the only demographic I could see that it would maybe be worthwhile to have a longer supplement list because then you have a lot more yeah. tendencies. There are a lot more things going on that you have to control for, but it's mostly neutralizing other things that you're doing, right? Like if you're a competitor and you're, running your body into the ground during a prep, maybe some kind of like thyroid support would be useful, right? I see. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You could, <laughs> I would listen to the argument, right? Yeah. You're on a ton of PEDs, some kind of like liver support for sure. You know, I, yeah. I listen to that argument. For a 40-year-old mom that's training three days a week that wants to just, you know, lose 30 or 40 pounds, they don't need the most ridiculous supplement protocol of all time that's going to be costing them an extra two, three, four hundred dollars a month, right? And I I think again, just like you have to see and you have to look for like, like why are people recommending these things? Is there like a discount code at the end? Right. I, I think that's that's probably pretty common. Yeah. Like, hey, you can here's your list of supplements. You can use this link to save 10%. And it, they're getting 10% kickback. And the thing is, too, is like, like I do that. Like I have, I have a discount code with, with. You're such a piece of shit, man. I, I just, I've officially. Sitting here talking about. Talking about. I, I, I see where you're getting at. No, no. But the thing is though, is like, we have a discount code for our company and that discount code is with a supplement company in the area called Morphogen Nutrition. My friend owns a company. I trust every single product because I take, I, I take their products. So that's another thing, right? Like I actually yeah. do take their products. Um, and believe in them. That I and you're and you're open about it, like, hey, yeah. I, like, I'm, I make a little bit from this for sure. But the thing is, is like, I also I don't take everything, 
Yeah. Because I, I don't feel like I need to take all of their supplements. So I, I take mm -hmm. protein. I take creatine. I have like a pre-workout because I am a little bitch and I need some energy before I go to the gym these days. Coffee, bro. Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I take um, a brain health supplement from them, right? Because I, I want to make sure I'm not stupid in like the next you know few years. So just different things that I, I do, different things I take from them. But at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't push anything on anyone. So like mm -hmm. your client that comes into us, you'll see that you say, Hey, if you want some supplements, here is our discount code. If you want to go use our, our affiliate code at with, with this company. Right. But we don't give them a list of products that they, yeah, they, yeah we don't, we don't give them a list of products that we even recommend them get. We just say, Hey, if you're going to get supplements, this is a company that we recommend. Here's a code. If you want to save some, some money on that. Right. And, and knowing you, like we've discussed, the things that you're going to be recommending are going to be things that are very evidence-based, not a bunch of BS. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be very, very, very general, right? And yeah. I'm, I'm someone who, again, it's just, I think that the more complexity that you throw into a program, the less it, total adherence you're going to get. Because yeah. if someone is focused on taking their whole supplement stack and they're like, oh shit, I ran out of like chastberry last week oh my god like that's taking up mental bandwidth They're like i have to order more but that's also like it creates more dependencies right because i already work with a neurotic population i don't want to tell them that they have to do one more thing to get perfect or optimal results because then all of a sudden yeah. if they're not able to do that it creates this this overwhelming paralysis and neuroticism like they're they they can't function without that thing right even if it's something as seemingly innocuous as like you know chastberry right it like mm -hmm. it really is that weird and that kind of like you know paranoid for her for the type of of population i work with at times um but yeah it's just i try to keep things relatively general and at the same time like i i strongly feel like i would much rather all of my clients focus all of their energy towards getting their training right and getting their nutrition right versus even adding I would I would throw I would throw sleep in there too. Oh yeah yeah we can talk about sleep here in a second because I think that's another yeah. one but like um sleep and stress management right so like nutrition training sleep stress management I guess stress management could kind of those be, those uh, are your pillars around everything you know yeah um but outside of outside of that right like supplements are supposed to be supplemental to everything else that you have going on and whenever that starts to become like a third prong next to training, nutrition, and supplements above sleep, above stress management, like then you have problems. And I'm sure that you could probably echo this, but people that take supplements to try and correct for deficiencies yeah. in other places, that's overcomplicating everything, right? Like you're you're doing everything backwards. <laughs> that is yeah. not the right way to go about this. And um, like I get it, right? Because I've been the type of person who has been so focused on training and, you know, nailing my nutrition and taking my supplements, but I get four hours of sleep every night. Like I've been that mm -hmm. person before, right? Missing the and forest for the trees. It, it was, it was, you know, it's like I'm going into the gym and I'm training five days a week and I'm at the gym for two plus hours whenever I'm there and I'm, you know, staying up late so I can eat you know, my 5,000 plus calories a day that I have to eat but I'm getting four, you know, four hours of sleep. It's like, that makes no sense. And I know that it makes no sense. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm saying it's ridiculous, but that's how I was before. So I can relate to people who are kind of stuck in that cycle now, but 
for me, I've been that person who has like been chronically sleep deprived and like under recovered comparing that to what it feels like to actually get consistent, good sleep is you're, you're a different human being and absolutely human being. So it, it's mind blowing to think that like, there are so many people that function with four, five hours of sleep all the time, but then still try to perform whether it's physically, they're, they're running on like 40% battery law. Me and my, yes, me and my wife are having this conversation over the weekend. So we went to uh, stay in a cabin and there was only one bed. So my son slept with us and we basically got shit sleep. He was like laying on top of me. He was kicking my wife throughout the whole entire night. And the next day, I mean, dude, we felt awful. Like yeah. we had no energy, like my head was hurting. And I mean, I still probably, I probably did get like three or four hours of actual sleep, but like there's so many people to where that's just normal. Like they always get like three or four hours of sleep. And I'm just like, I, I don't even know if people realize like how crappy they feel maybe because they haven't felt really good in such a long time. But like, yeah, getting enough sleep, I would say that's one of the most important things, even ahead of like training or nutrition, because if you get that right, it's going to make all these other things like so much easier. And, uh, you don't have to overcomplicate that over complicate that either. Like just really basic things, like try to get it to bed at about the same time each night within like a 30, 45 minute window try to wake up at the same time each day within like a 30 to 40 minute window window, try to avoid, you know, screens within like one to two hours of bedtime, try to limit your caffeine, like six to nine hours before bed. If you're doing those things, you're going to be fine. Uh, but you don't need to be stressing about a whole bunch of stuff. It doesn't matter if, yeah, like you said, if you are only getting four hours of sleep. See, I would even, I would narrow that list down too. So like for me, if someone were to tell me like, Hey, no caffeine, six to nine hours before bed, I'm like looking at my my clock right now i'm like oh shit i'm drinking an energy drink yeah i try and be in bed in the next five hours this is problematic but for me yes it's not ideal and it's all and I'm well that's 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 where it goes to like individualizing for clients too like i'm not i'm gonna tell i'm not gonna tell somebody to do all those things like we may focus on one or one thing at a time but you know for me that's one of those those instances of trade-offs right like i i know that if you tell me i can't look at a screen within two hours of going to bed, I'll be like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here with that. You know what I mean? Like, Just get you some, get you some blue light, uh, blocking glass. Yeah. yeah. But like, do you, do you ever wear those? So I actually have some sitting over there. My girlfriend yeah. had them, gave them to me. Um, I wore them a little bit, but then I felt like so goofy wearing them. So I was Bro, like, don't yeah. get over it. Like I <laughs> anecdotally. Yeah. 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 Absolute game changer. Like I put them on faithfully, religiously every single night, like one to two hours before yeah. bed. I promise you, like, I fall asleep 30 minutes faster than I otherwise would and get better quality sleep. But it can't be the ones with the clear lens. I've tried those, and those don't work. It's got to be, like, those orange-tinted, really goofy, nerdy. Oh, really? oh, the, those those are the ones that work, but I swear it makes, oh. like, a massive difference. Because, like, and, yeah, that's probably way more practical for most people because, like, most people, that's their time to, like, chill out at the end of the day. They want to scroll social media or they want to, like, look at sports scores or watch a baseball game or whatnot. But, I mean, I think you can kind of at least mitigate that a little bit by wearing the blue light blocking glasses. And that's a pretty pretty minor trade-off aside from looking goofy and aside from my wife always taking pictures of me and making fun of me and sending them to my friends. <laughs> I think a part of it, right, is, like, it's it's kind of cleaning up the easy wins first, right? Yeah. So if you're someone who you're like, 
man, there, I, I know I need my coffee at 4 p.m. every single day. Otherwise, I will not be able to deal with the kids whenever I get home. Like, I, I have to pick them up from school. I have to take them to soccer practice. I have to go get, like, you know, all of our, our groceries. Like, there's no way I can function doing all that after work unless I have some some caffeine right now. If my If my trainer, my coach, were to tell me, hey, no caffeine after this time, no exceptions. Every day I would feel like fucking failure because I'm like, I have to do this. Otherwise yeah. I will die. I, I need this. <laughs> Not to die. be too dramatic. <laughs> yes. But part of that, right, is like, okay, cool. What other things can we focus on? You, you need that. That is important for you. Yeah. Don't do that. We'll just, we'll call that, that's a non-negotiable, right? We'll say that's a non-negotiable. You, you are going to do that no matter what I tell you. Let's not even put that as part of your plan because then every time you see that on your plan and every time you don't adhere to it, you're going to feel like you failed, right? So what are some other easy things that we can do? Cool. Maybe some, some blue light glasses. Ah, I feel goofy wearing them. Okay. Okay. We don't have to worry about that. What, what does the environment look like in your bedroom, right? Well, you know, like we have some, some pretty thin curtains, but okay. So are you getting you know, waking up by the sun every morning? Or, you know, can you see the street lamp blinding you at night? Or is it is it dark? Well, that's uh, pretty bright. Okay, well, that might be a problem, right? Well, also- That's something pretty easy to change that doesn't require a lot of like willpower and discipline. Yeah. And Dude, and you know, a big one for me is a cool bed. So- That's huge. So- Crank that AC down an hour before you get in bed. Also, now they make inserts that you can put on top of your mattress, underneath your sheets, that pump cool water all night through through the interesting. So it it keeps it keeps it cool no matter what. No matter if you are you know sleeping with your partner or you have like you know kids on the bed with you or or pets, whatever. Because dude, being someone who has like a, a pit bull sleeping on top of me and my girl, oh man, and like you know multiple layers of of comforters, I will be dying even with like the yeah. fan full blast right like i'm dying so i i need cool i i cannot sleep unless i am cool if i'm sweating i'm dying I'm, there's no way i'm gonna get good sleep right so like very easy right keep it cool yeah. so that whenever you're sleeping you actually can stay asleep and you can you know get into that that deeper REM sleep and you can allow your heart rate to drop and your core body temperature can like start to drop as well like those are important things to be able to get a restful night's sleep People like white noise. Get a white noise machine. Yeah. I I need a humidifier because otherwise I'll breathe through my mouth and I won't. I've get, got a hum, I've got one too. Have you ever worn um, nasal strips? I uh, sometimes they leave like pretty bad scars on my nose or like marks for like yeah. two or three days. Yeah. No. So um, I I think I have like a deviated septum or something like that because whenever I I lay on my right side I can't breathe through my nose. If I lay on my left side I can't. So uh, it's been going on like that for years. I don't know what the issue is, but there were a few times in the past whenever I was like really big mm -hmm. and I definitely had like sleep apnea, but I would wear like the nasal strips just to help me breathe at night. Dude, the quality of sleep, the difference between really, it was insane. It was insane. I never would have thought that like if you'd have told me that that, that would have actually made that big of a difference, I would have never believed you, but it made it huge difference in my ability to sleep so like those might feel like adding layers of complexity on top of some a situation that, that might feel easy like hey just get enough sleep 
but those are easy things that you can do, right? Like they, they require yeah. very little extra effort or little extra money or attention. They can just, you can, you can do them relatively easily and they can significantly improve whatever, you know, you're after there, right? So if you can't get nine hours of sleep every night, well, you better make sure that your six hours are extremely are solid. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's a really good example of just like, you know, you know what's a, you know what's a huge thing for me is like making sure just to take an allergy bill before I go to bed because like you said really? with the nasal strips, yeah, I mean if you're like if your nose is stopped up and running like it's miserable and you it's so much harder to fall asleep and my allergies this time of year are horrible so if I don't take my allergy pill guaranteed I'm going to be getting a lot worse sleep and probably also keeping the wife up too so yeah, I, that's I feel, one thing that I've got to do. I feel like sleep is a, is a really interesting one because people they know that they need to be getting more sleep. Everybody needs yeah. Probably yes. getting more sleep, right? Yeah. So, so just lecturing people on that probably is not very helpful. Like just saying get more sleep. Yeah. It's a hundred percent not, but what is helpful is giving them real strategies that they could yep. use that are, that are relatively easy, but also tangible. Right. So just saying, Hey, you need eight hours of sleep a night. That's not really helpful because most people already know that they've heard that since they were a kid. Yep. If they're getting five hours of sleep, then you saying get eight hours isn't going to change anything doing it. it, Yeah. They're they're They already know that. Right. Yeah. So give them something that's more tangible that they can actually apply to their, their sleep hygiene, to their sleep habits. I like what you mentioned actually of, of having like set bedtimes and set wake up. Yeah. So I've always been someone who's had like a defined wake up time. Like I need to wake up by this time so that I can start my, my day off. Right. But it actually wasn't until more recently where I was like, you know what? If I have a set wake up time, why do I not have a set bedtime? Like, yeah, it sounds so simple. Honestly, I think, and I've posted this before on Instagram. I think like having a, uh, you know, like people set alarms to wake them up in the morning, but like nobody has anything to like tell them to go to bed in the evening. So like, I think one of the best things people can do is just set an alarm on their phone every single night to go off at, let's say if they want to be in bed by 9.30 PM, like set an alarm for 8.30, just reminding you to start winding down, like whatever you're doing, start, you know, go take a hot shower, uh, chill out, read a book, maybe start focusing on some type of behavior change around that evening routine. Uh, and then so that you can get to bed at a reasonable hour and, and try to get a little bit more sleep. But yeah, I think, I think nighttime or bedtime, uh, alarm clocks are huge. Yeah. And I think for me, the most important thing that I have been able to implement is maybe not even me, but it's, it's having a partner who also is on the same schedule, like bedtime and sleep schedule. Helps a ton. So yeah, it, it's gigantic because previously I did not have that. And I was someone who was very much like, I'm going to go to bed late and I would stay up really, really late. And I would, you know, potentially sleep a little bit later into the morning because I was up working or, you know, I had to go get my, my session in at the gym and I was, you know, there until midnight or whatever. Right. So it's like ridiculous stuff. Um, but now my girlfriend and I, we, we have a whole night routine. Like she gets home from work. She gets home from the gym, you know, whether that's like six or seven, whatever, but we'll have dinner together. We'll sit down, we'll watch, you know, a TV show, watch a movie, but whenever it gets to be around like eight 39 PM, all right, let's wind down. Let's start going upstairs and let's, you know, just start chilling. Right. But before I never would have done that, right? Like nine is like early, that's early night for me. You know, that's basically afternoon. Dude, that's late for me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, it's late for me now. But um, but having someone who's on that same schedule that gives you a little bit more encouragement, but also kind of holds you accountable. It's like, 
they're now tired as well. So like, even if you're like, I want to stay up, you're like, your, your partner is going to bed. You feel that tug. It's like, man, I, I really have to wrap this shit up. Like I, I, I can pick this up in the morning. I can go to bed. I, I can do this later on. This isn't something that is mandatory for me to do at the moment. Let me go to, go to bed. Let me get some sleep. Let me pick it up tomorrow. And for me, that's been incredibly important because I, I can be the type of person who will like continue doing some shit basically until I run my battery all the way down and I'm like falling. It's easy to do in my chair. Yeah. Um, but having that like set bedtime of like around nine, nine 30, having a set wake up time around for me, around like four, um, I, I don't need nine hours of sleep. I, I I'm pretty comfortable at this point getting, you know, like seven, that's good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but having that for me and being able to define that time frame and those, those boundaries has been so, so, so important for me to be able to like stick to something because previously I've, I was always told, even whenever I was getting, you know, like four or five hours of sleep, like I, I'd have a coach and they would say, Hey, get eight hours of sleep. And I'm like, I can't do this. And their response to me would be like, well, we can't change anything in your protocols until you get eight hours of sleep consistently. And I'm like, bro, this just is never going to happen. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how else to tell you this. I can't, like, I will never be able to get eight hours of sleep consistently. Yeah. We're going to have to work with that. Yeah. But I, but I do think that that's a really important consideration for a lot of coaches is it's very simple, but being able to work with your clients, right? Being able to take their circumstances and their situation, their context into account and give them something that is actually feasible and practical for them to do. And this goes for training. It goes for nutrition. It goes for sleep, for supplements, right? I mean, not even practical in the sense of like time, but like finances, you know, like, yeah, I'm not going to tell someone to go out and buy a $500 insert for their mattress to keep their bed cool. If they're, you know, struggling to even just pay me for coaching every month, right? That doesn't yep. seem that doesn't seem like a, like a good trade off. Seems like there there's some like lower hanging fruit that we can hit before we start spending a ton of money on these things. And maybe it's just me being kind of like um, I don't know, like looking outward and like kind of being a dickhead and pointing fingers at other coaches and stuff like that. But I I do feel like it is often really easy to just default to hey, all of my clients have to do this. All of my clients mm -hmm. have this um, versus taking a more individual or like, you know, client specific approach to a lot of the, the problem solving that's going to inevitably come up whenever you are working with an individual, not a group. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's just actual coaching, like yeah. taking their context into consideration, what's realistic for them and what works with their current lifestyle and routine and everything like that. So yeah, it's just, that's good coaching. <laughs> Yeah. What about stress management for you? Uh, what do I do personally or what do I tend to like? Like, like some, of, some of the, yeah, some of the things that like, I guess you, you've seen people like maybe overcomplicate with like, for me, like I, I've, I've seen people with stress management take it to like the furthest extremes where like, you know, every day they have to meditate for an hour. Every day they have to journal. They have to do like their two sessions of therapy every week. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's, it's, that's great. If you can do that, that's great. Right. But I feel like whenever I've heard of people's stress management routines, I'm like, dude, that's impossible for me to do. Yeah. I, I, there's no way I could, I could do that. And plus, you know, get everything else in my day that I, I want to do. Um, like, have, have you ever encountered anything like that where like some of your clients are just like off the walls whenever it comes to stress management and they're almost, they're stressing themselves out more with their stress management techniques than anything? Absolutely. Else? Yeah. 
yeah, typically those are the people who like want to uh, see the data from their whoop every single day and like make sure that they're yep. fully recovered and all that. But yeah, uh, there's very, very simple things that you can do to help manage stress, like literally going for a five minute walk after lunch. Or uh, one thing that I do is like just give my son a 20 second hug, like every single day consistently. And that's just like, that's my thing, you know, like that really uh, helps with stress. So there's tons of different things that you can do in that regard, you definitely don't have to, uh, overcomplicate it. You don't have to get an R ring or anything like that to tell you your readiness to train on any given day. It's like, yeah, same thing. Simplify. Uh, also like setting boundaries is absolutely huge. It's like, I feel like there's so many things that people let get on really stressed out and like make them way more overwhelmed. One thing for me personally, and it's kind of good and bad, like people constantly send me like reels and like TikTok videos that they think are funny and they think that I will relate to, which I appreciate that because it means that people are thinking of me and oftentimes they are really funny. But I mean, if you've got like 15 or 20 people that are constantly sending you those things and then it's like whenever you open them, like what are you doing when you open it? You're going to sit there and like scroll your feed for a little bit. And the next thing you know, you just watch 30 minutes of TikTok. And so I think there's so many things like that that people could do just setting boundaries that's going to help them feel less overwhelmed and less stressed out. And to me, honestly, like those things probably go so much further than any like specific stress management type thing that you could do. Uh, so yeah, uh, another one is like, I had to leave all uh, group text, like with friends, group chats, and like my good friends, like who blow me up every day on text, which is cool. They know that like, hey, not to text me at like 8.30, 9 p.m. because like, I'm not going to be on my phone and I'm not going to respond anyway. But yeah, I think managing uh, those types of things and setting some good boundaries with personal and work life is massive. I just, like nobody has boundaries. Like people yeah. will, like even like people are supposed to get off work at five and they stay till 6.30. Like they got to finish this project. And uh, same thing with like interpersonal relationships and everything. It's like, you've got to have boundaries. You got to have, you got to have routine. You got to have boundaries. You got to have cutoffs for like, like we were talking about earlier, like when you go to bed. Uh, to me, those are the biggest things in terms of managing uh, stress. And I completely agree with that. And this is coming from someone who really struggled to implement boundaries for a really long time, especially whenever it came to personal versus business. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think part of that was because my personal slowly morphed into my business almost by accident, or I guess like my business kind of was created from more personal relationships. So like People that I I was friends. You, you mean like you mean like I was gonna say you mean like friends that are becoming clients and family members and things like exactly that. exactly that, those are the ones that are very hard to establish boundaries. It, it is it is and I know that now, which is one of the reasons why like I, I do not take on friends or family as clients anymore. So like if someone wants to work with me, they'll work with one of my other coaches rather than working. That's a good with idea. Directly. Yeah, and and the reason for that is just because I know I can't be objective, and if they're being an asshole or if they are crossing bound like like professional boundaries. I know that it's a difficult, a much more difficult conversation to have with that person as a, a coach, because inevitably there's going to be that blending of professional and personal, and they're not going to be able to fully separate that of like, oh, my friend is talking to me versus, oh, my coach is talking to me. So like that is mm -hmm. very difficult, but you got to compartmentalize. Yeah. Something ex extremely simple that I did years ago, which I hadn't had done, I, I didn't do for a very long time was just business hours, right? Like, as soon as I start working with a client, I'm like, hey, these are my business hours. If you do not, or if you contact me outside of these business hours, 
you won't hear back from me until my business hours the following day or you know the next time there are business hours right like if if you contact me on i don't know like christmas don't expect to hear back from me christmas you know like the day after christmas right like i probably yeah. to take a couple of days to get back to you um but also you know just reaching out to clients being I guess we're, we're keeping this a little bit more professional and like specifically like coaching, but like, especially if there is anything that is coming up that might pull me out of like my normal routine, I reach out to clients ahead of time and I say, Hey guys, this weekend I'm traveling to Chicago. I'm going to go, you know, hang out with my girlfriend's family because I'm going to be in Chicago. There is a chance that I might be a little bit delayed with my response time. So I do appreciate your patience. You know, if, if you have anything come up, beforehand make sure to email me just so i have an opportunity to like get back to you before i leave for the weekend but just setting those expectations for me has created boundaries and that's been something that i've been able to kind of like lean into a lot more versus before i try to create boundaries after yeah much harder to do the expectations were already set and i i used to have the worst the worst case of trying to over deliver on everything so what i would do at the beginning is i would I would basically give so much and I would be so available and I would go above and beyond for literally everyone to the point where whenever inevitably I would have to kind of pull back a little bit because I can't, I, I have other clients. Like I, I can't treat every single person as if you're the only person I, I interact with on a day-to-day basis. I want to, but I can't. Yeah. But then that feels like the the quality of service is diminishing or it's going down. And the clients don't view that as I was getting way, way, way more value than what I was paying for. Now it's regressing down to a more reasonable place. They're seeing that as why is my service level decreasing? It, they're, they're not seeing that from the position that I might be or like another coach might be of like, oh, well, I was delivering or over delivering from the get go anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. So I think I've gotten a lot more comfortable basically saying, hey, guys, I'm not available all the time. If you, you reach out to me, I will not get back to you within five minutes, right? Unless you catch me at the perfect time, but don't expect yeah. that. I like expect there to be some kind of delay that like it, it's going to happen, right? Because I have, I have a lot of other stuff that I'm trying to do. Yep. Um, but creating that, those boundaries with, with work and, um, in my personal life was incredibly important for me to be able to, um, to manage stress. And like you, like you said, actually, um, being a little bit more, deliberate with how I approach not only social media, but also like, like messaging, like, like, um, like texting and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I can only look at my phone for certain periods of the day because I know that like, if I, if I do it for too long, it will actually stress me out. Right. Yep. What, I, what I have to do is I have to basically like clear all of my notifications at the end of the day. So once I clear the notifications on all platforms that I need to be on, the stress level is gone. So then I basically can do the same thing the next day and I don't have to worry about immediately getting back to people. Um, what if you turn, what if you just turned off all notifications? Oh, so it, it's, it's less about notifications. It's more about like, uh, there being something pending, right? Gotcha. Red messages or like, you know, oh. yeah. Emails that are sitting in my inbox or whatever. But like what I try to do is I try to clear my inbox in the every day i try to like clear my my unread messages from like texting or like dms or anything like that anything that's like pending and usually that will take me like 30 minutes i but i just go through yep. i i make sure that everybody's res- responded to um or even if i need to i can send an email say hey i'll get i'll get to this tomorrow but i i've seen it but that yep that at least it, that takes the stress off of me 
because I don't feel like I'm leaving someone hanging. And I don't have to put myself in their shoes of being like, oh, why is he not replying to me? Well, I'm seeing him post on social media. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, Dude, we are, I could not agree more. We are the exact same way in that sense. Like, it, it, I will clean strange. out my inbox every day. I'm not one of those people that can have 327 unread text messages or like 48 Instagram DMs. Like, I will definitely clear those out daily. Because what happens to me is, is I, I start to see it from the position of a slighted person. And, you know, <laughs> this is it's kind of silly, but like, you know, if someone does send me an email and then I go and I post on social media, the only thing I can think of is the person that sent me an email right now is thinking they have time to post on social media, but not to reply yeah. to my email. And I'm like, it's not how this works. Like they're, they're, right. there are priorities, right? Like I do this at- You this have time. work hours. Exactly. But, but in my mind, that's not how everyone sees it because most other people don't own businesses. Most other people yeah. aren't coaches. And even if, even if they are, I think you probably understand this. A lot of people like to view themselves as kind of the center of their own universe. Like I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with clients that can kind of be a little bit difficult. Um, but again, that goes back to like the boundaries, right? And for me, that's been very important with saying, hey guys, these are my business hours. This yes. is what you can expect, right? If I deviate from these expectations, please let me know. Please let me know so yeah. I, can, I can do that better. But this is what you should be expecting. You should not be expecting immediate turnaround time on every single thing that you send me. You shouldn't be expecting like me to answer your, your email with that one-off question that, you know, could have been sent with your weekly check-in or could have been sent like in our discord channel or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it is that setting that expectation. I think that that takes a lot of the pressure off of me feeling like I have to always be going above and beyond for every single person that like tries to pull my, my attention their way, but not everyone is like that. So some people are like really susceptible to, I, I'd like to call them like energy vampires. Like Energy vampires are people that suck your energy out of you. And a lot of times they're, they do it unknowingly, right? Like they don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, but there are just certain people that are very stressful to be around, whether it's mm -hmm. because of their personality, whether it's because of their- We all know those types of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll even say it. Like a lot of people that are very negative are energy vampires for me. Like I, I cannot be around people that complain all the time. I cannot be around people like that. Or um, people that self-deprecate themselves, like just talk, yeah. talk down on themselves all the time. I, I can't be around it. And like, I have friends like that, but I, I absolutely hate it. I hate it so Same much. Here. Um, and I, I had to like remove myself from it. And you know, the clientele that I work with, you know, there definitely is that propensity for kind of being negative on themselves a lot as competitors. Like they're very critical of themselves. And I found at times where like, I'll read, you know, emails and I'm like, man, this person is so stressful. Like just always so negative. Every time they're communicating with me, it's just negative. Like, does anything good ever happen in your life? But then one thing that I've really gotten good at, I feel like as a coach is communicating with them and being like, Hey, these are the good things you have going on. Yeah. Focus on the, the things that you're doing, right? You're still going to the gym. People yeah. have a very hard time seeing what they're doing. Well, uh, it's especially competitors, right? What, yeah. One, one thing I do to the, what you were just talking about, how people are like, so overly critical. So like a couple of years ago. I started putting in my check-in form, like, tell me something positive or tell me something good. And I, I'll put like a little, uh, in parentheses, I'll be like, it can literally be anything. It can be something about your children. It can be something about your job. It can be a training PR, but like literally just tell me something good. And I've had clients who have told me like months later that that question was like so unbelievably beneficial for them to like sit down and think about every single week. And like, I'll, I'll put on there too. I'm like, don't leave this blank. I'm like, even if everything feels terrible right now, 
dig deep and try to find something. Tell me something good. Tell me something positive. And uh, yeah, I've had clients tell me like later on that that was an absolute game changer for them. I, I think maybe I told you this before, but um, so I'm not I'm not like a big journaling person in the sense like I don't really sit down with like pen and paper and just like, you know, journal. I want to be. Yeah, this, that's not me. So like, I, I, I don't know if I told you this last time we talked, but um, I, I record voice of it most of myself. Okay. I don't know you tell me that. Yeah. So I, I use an app and basically what it does is it, it, it records this like, you know, 10, 15 minute long voice memo and then transcribes it. No so shit. Like, yeah. So, I mean, it's actually, you're going to have to, you're going to send me the link to that whenever we hang up. Cause that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. But I, I've noticed that for me, like I get more out of like talk therapy. So like if I've, I've gone to therapists and stuff like that. And what I've always noticed is that what they say doesn't matter. It's, I just need to talk for like an hour. And then after that, I feel so much better because I just need to get all that shit out, you know? And I can't write fast enough to get out what I need to say or what I need to like. So you, so you do journal. That's just your form of journaling. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, but one thing that, that I do is I, I kind of have like this little sheet. I guess it's like a little check-in sheet, right? Like a little, um, you know, a, a daily, um, reflection, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, but with that, like there is like a, a, what are you grateful for type of thing? Right. And I always had thought that was like really goofy and whenever people would do that stuff. And I still do. I still do. But the thing is, though, is it does help. It really does help. And even on days whenever I feel like I have absolutely no reason to be positive about anything, I'm like, I hate the world. I'm so pissed. My entire life feels like it's crumbling. At the very, We all have those days. But at the very minimum, I can sit here on my computer and see, like, what are you grateful for? And I can, like, look over and just see, like, my dog laying in her bed right next to me as I'm working and be like, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Fen. Yeah. It's like every fucking day, no matter what, I'm literally grateful for my dog. I'm grateful for my girlfriend. Like there's things that I'm always, no matter what, no matter how difficult it is, I'm grateful for them or for yeah. those things. So even if there's nothing like tangible that is good that I felt like that has happened to me recently, there are always good things that you can, that you, you can find them. You can look around. What do you I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. This is, this thing exists, you know? And one thing that I love, like I'm a huge fan of uh, just kind of stoic, stoicism or stoic philosophy. Okay. So like they've got one principle that's like negative visu visualization. So it's, it's watching a huge tree limb just fell down out of my window. But uh, I was like, what the hell? Uh, but yeah, so uh, negative visualization, which is basically like uh, imagining if you didn't have something. So like if you're having, if you're in a really negative mind space or you're having a really bad day like let's say if you're uh i don't know if, if if anything happens like i guess to use to give you some context like if my son is throwing a tantrum or something like that and, and it's uh if yeah if he's if he's throwing a tantrum having a really hard time like i could get really mad but one thing that i do is like i will like you can envision like, and this is kind of dark, but it's like, what if he wasn't here? Like, what if he wasn't? And then it just instantly changes your mindset and you can be a lot more present and, you know, thankful that he's here and he's having this tantrum or whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, that's the same idea. Well, maybe not same, but similar is like the meditating on your own death type of thing, right? It's like, absolutely. Like you're, you're always remembering that everything is finite there there is a term limit on this whole thing right so it's like yeah this day this hour this minute might feel very overwhelming if might feel very difficult but like zoom out right zoom yeah. out and it it's 
going to be okay. Just try and you know, put one foot in front of the other and just maximize what you're able to do in the moment. And um, kind of going back to the theme of this whole thing, it seems so simple, right? It seems so simple to do, but most people just can't do it because they are so like, they need to be on the next thing, right? Like they, they can't regress to the absolute bare bones of, of whatever it is that they should be doing in that moment. Um, and I, I think even for myself, like I need to be reminded of those things at times. And, and as much as we can talk about this stuff, I'm sure that you probably agree. Like, you know, something, absolutely something as simple as like, you know, just basic sleep, basic, you know, stress management, basic training, nutrition strategies. Like sometimes you have to be like slapped in the face and just be like, Oh shit. Like I do know how we all, we all screw it up and we all get out of routine and we all struggle with certain things for sure, dude. And I, I think that's really all I wanted to cover. I know that you have a, a cutoff time. So I definitely want to be respectful of that. Is there anything else that you wanted uh, to touch on before we, we get out of here? I think I'm good, man. It was a uh, great chatting with you for sure, dude. So yeah, really appreciate your time. Um, I would say we, we should do this again at some point, uh, but maybe we give it a little bit of a break since we've done these, uh, these pretty back to back. So, uh, yeah. again, dude, thank you. And, uh, we'll definitely chat soon. Absolutely. Sounds good, man. <laughs>